Well, good morning and welcome. It's good to see each and every one of you out here today. Glad to have you with us. If you're joining us by live stream, we want to welcome you as well. Uh, here at East LJ Baptist Church, we have been captivated by Christ. In Jesus, we have seen and we cannot unsee the glory of God, which is His grace and His mercy to forgive us of all of our sins, to make us right and justify us, declare us righteous before holy God, all through the life, death, and resurrection of His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And He has captivated us. And it's our prayer that through our time here together, you would see the beauty of Jesus that we enjoy and that you would embrace Him and find your heart captivated by Him as well. Several announcements as we begin. First of all, if you're visiting with us today for the first time, uh, first of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, if you've been visiting with us for, the, for a while or the first time today and you have not signed up for our church-wide communications via email or text and would like to get connected so that you can know what's going on and receive prayer requests from the church body and so forth, then please fill out a Connect card. You can find that uh, if you're joining us by live stream right there uh, below the viewing window and on, on the YouTube page. You can find a uh, Google Connect card also on our website. Uh, you can find that Connect card. Or if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, you can just email uh, us at, uh, to, my, to, to Vanna Clampett, my secretary, Vanna, V-A-N-N-A-E-E-B-C, at gmail.com, and we'll get you connected so that if there's uh, anything, anything changes as we go through or events coming up, you can be kept up to speed on what's going on. Also, next Sunday will be our quarterly foreign missions offering. Uh, we are excited to get back on track uh, receiving that quarterly foreign missions offering after uh, this past year of COVID and not being here a whole lot during the year. Uh, thank you to those of you who continued to give to Foreign Missions last year. Uh, our support has uh, not, not skipped a beat, and we've actually been able to do uh, some extra, so we're thankful for that. But this coming Sunday, next Sunday, a week from today, you'll hear an update from your missions committee about one of our missionaries, and then we'll receive our quarterly Foreign Missions offering. So be praying about how God would use you to give generously to support those who are taking the gospel to, to those who've yet to hear about Christ. And then two weeks from today, Sunday, January the uh, 31st, we'll have our regular church conference. Uh, this will include uh, approval of this year's budget. Uh, next Sunday, copies of that budget will be available here. Uh, here, If you're here in person, if you join us by live stream, again, uh, don't do this till next Sunday because they, she won't be able to help you till then. Uh, the copies won't be available. But if you want to receive that by email, then uh, email vanna at v-a-n-n-a-e-e-b-c at gmail.com, and we'll get you a copy of that, church members who are joining us online. Finally, uh, you may have noticed the signs when you were coming in the ent entryway doors there. We have an opportunity to encourage our health care workers. Uh, Piedmont Hospital in Jasper, Piedmont Mountainside, has a, an adopt a health care worker program that they're doing where we can sign up individually. And they've got about 620 employees, I think, that, that they'd like to have us encourage, pray for, and encourage with a monthly note or letter to them. And so uh, I, got, I got signed up this week and plan to send the card tomorrow. And they just are asking that we do that once a month, just send a little card, a little note of encouragement to the health care workers that are working so hard 
uh, in these days. And so just take note of that on your way out. Uh, you may have to go out and kind of look back in. On the, it's, it's on the outside of the doors as you're, uh, as you're leaving today. Maybe just snap a quick picture of that and get that phone number so you can get signed up as well and uh, share the love of Christ with those that are serving our community so, so intensely right now. Quick shout out to our Building and Grounds Committee. Thank you to uh, those guys who are uh, currently beginning to work on several uh, maintenance projects around the church, and we're thankful for that. Uh, and we just appreciate uh, uh, their part in, in serving the body of Christ here. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing as we read from the Word of God. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Let's stand together as we read the Word of God. In Matthew 6, verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. Aren't you thankful today that you know, if you know the Lord Jesus today, you know God as Father? Most of us could probably almost recite the Lord's Prayer, right? And yet later on in the service, we're going to look at it. I, I wonder, even though sometimes we can recite things, I wonder sometimes if we really understand the words we're saying. So we're going to break that down later on at the time of the message. But what a privilege it is to be able to call the creator of all things, the one who sustains all things right now, the one who gives us life in this moment, to be able to call him Father. And to know that he knows what we need even before we ask. To have peace with a holy God, even though we in and of ourselves are sinners and enemies of God, separated from him by our sin, and yet through Christ, he's made a way for us to be able to call him Father, there are so many around us who don't yet have that ability. They don't know that they can know God as Father even. They've not heard the good news of Jesus. And so I want us to pray for your neighbors, your co-workers, friends, family members. But also there are many in this world who have yet to even hear the name of Jesus. They've not heard the gospel and all that Jesus did in his life, death, and resurrection. One such group, our unreached people group for the day, is the Balti of India. This is a small people group, 52,000 people. Small by comparison. It's a lot of people, but small by comparison. Some of the groups we pray for on Sunday mornings are millions, right? 
52,000 with no witness among them. They live in the, the, the mountains of India near the Pakistani border, uh, and their religion is sort of a mixed-up version of Islam. And so we want to pray for the Balti in India that the gospel would penetrate that people group. Join me as we pray. Father, we thank you that you are our Father. And that in the middle of crazy days, there is comfort and strength in simply being able to look to the one true and living God and say, Father. Thank you that you're in heaven. And it is our prayer today that your name would be hallowed. Lord, that your name would be glorified in our lives. And Lord, how we pray that for the lives of those around us who've yet to hear the good news of Jesus. May your name, Father, be hallowed in their lives as they trust Jesus and call out to you then as Father. Father, make that true of the Balti people in India. Send the gospel through one of us or Christians in the region that they might know what Christ has done. And Father, today we want to lift up particularly so many. There's several even connected to our church family who are, are battling COVID today. But in particular, Father, Sid Pulliam, who made it through the night. He wasn't expected to make it through the night, but Lord, he made it through the night. We continue to pray for uh, Adam and, and, and the whole family, that God, you would comfort and strengthen them. And God, even as we prayed in a smaller group earlier today, God, we pray for healing. We pray that you would uh, be merciful and supernaturally intervene in Sid's life, if, if it's your will. Lord, we trust you, and we trust your wisdom. Father, we do lift up COVID patients all over uh, our community, all across our nation today and the world. We pray for those health care workers, Father, that are working so hard to take care of, uh, of, of, of these who, who have the virus. Lord, we just pray that in your mercy you would end this pandemic. God, we thank you for your presence with us in these days. And God, we pray today for our nation. Father, how we pray that you would bring peace in our nation through repentance. We know it's the only way it really comes. When we get right with you, then we can get right with each other and have peace and the anger and the violence and all the rest can cease. And Father, we know that first that needs to be in your house, among us, the people of God, followers of Jesus. God, we pray that you would humble us before your throne and under your mighty hand. God, that we would know the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who reigns above all rule and authority worldwide is our Father. And God, that we would humble ourselves before you. And that even as we have been loved by you, we would extend your love and your grace your patience, patience and your kindness to us out into the lives of others around us, especially into the lives of those with whom we may disagree. For God, you loved us and gave your son to die for us when we were, we, when we were your enemies. 
Father, we pray for our nation this week. We pray for um, the inauguration and the transition of power this week. We pray, Father, for protection in our nation's capital. We pray for all of the, the law enforcement and military that will be involved for their safety and protection. We just pray, God, that you would quell anything that would, uh, would be violent. And God, we pray for our leaders. We pray for President Trump and Vice President Pence. We pray for President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris. And God, just pray that you who hold the hearts of kings would so work in their hearts. We pray that they would come to know Jesus if they don't. Personally. For truly, Lord... There is one mediator between God and man. Doesn't matter where you are on the social scale, doesn't matter what position you hold, there is one way to God, even for them. And may they know the Lord Jesus personally. We know then, God, hearts can change. We know then, policies can change. We know then, leadership changes. And so we pray for this. God, I pray that you would heal our nation even from ongoing racial divides. God, give us eyes to see that we all are created in the image of God and bear the mark of our Creator. And there is only one way to God, no matter our ethnicity. We all, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There is one mediator between God and men, even Jesus. May we love one another as you have loved us. Father, we pray for your presence in this service. We pray for your spirit to work in our hearts, to speak, even as we worship. And as we open your word, Father, that you would come and meet with us. That you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would transform our lives, or the way we think, and consequently the way we behave, the way we live and talk and interact with others, all that the name of our Father may be glorified. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remain standing as we enter into worship this morning. Uh, our worship team is sort of thin. Joe uh, is out this morning. He had the opportunity to go uh, over to a sister church where his, one of his grandchildren is being baptized this morning. So we just rejoice with uh, Joe and Mary Hensley in that. But Jason's going to be leading us in worship this morning. And so uh, I, I was teasing with them beforehand. They are an, a, a total boy band this morning. So um, you guys sing loud and, and help them out this morning as we worship.
may be seated.
Father, thank you that indeed for those of us who know you through faith in Christ, you have sealed us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, you indwell us and you will keep us and you will safely deliver us home. You will get us To the finish line, Lord, we will see you and be forever in your presence. All because you loved us enough to send your own son who came and lived a perfect life in our place, went to the cross and there, as the song said, interposed his precious blood as the payment for all of our many sins. On the third day he rose again. So that he might be our savior and our redeemer. And even in this moment, our living hope. Thank you, Jesus, that you sit at the Father's right hand. 
and rule as King of kings and Lord of lords, having been given all authority on heaven and on earth because of your saving work by the Father. How we pray that now your spirit would come and be our teacher as we open the scriptures together. And Father, how we pray that our lives would day by day and in and an increasing way resound to the glory of our God. For you alone are worthy of all worship and praise and glory and honor. We wait on you now. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We'll be dismissed to Children's Church. And as they're making their way out, let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And as you're turning in your Bible to Luke chapter 11, uh, I got a... uh, email update from my daughter in Southeast Asia this morning who uh, shared this little bit of news about uh, a group of people called the Yetfa people, the Yetfa people of Indonesia. They will soon receive their first translated book of the Bible in their own language, and it just so happens that it will be the gospel according to Luke. You know, you and I have never not had, that's bad grammar, but it communicates, we've never not had the entire Bible in our language, our whole lives. But in 2021, there's a tribe who is about to be able to read Luke's account, the first book of the Bible they'll have in their own language, Luke's account of the good news about Jesus for the first time. Now, they've heard the gospel. Those missionaries that have gone in there have preached the gospel to them, but they'll now be able to hold God's Word, just like you and I right now in this room can pick up this book, one of many that we no doubt own, and look at the words of God and read them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a wonderful thing to think about? Just just unbelievable to imagine what that moment will be like for them. May we then come to Luke's gospel now together with maybe a little greater appreciation And gratitude for the precious word of the living God that we hold in our hands. And we'll be looking in just a minute at Luke chapter 11. But what we're going to be talking about this morning is prayer. Prayer. Now, all religions of the world pray. In fact, uh, even Satanists pray. But prayer is somewhat mysterious, isn't it? It's kind of one of those things we talk a lot about, but sometimes we struggle to do it or we're not real sure what it is really all about. Even for those of us who know Jesus, who have knowledge of the one true and living way to God, it seems like it's a mysterious thing. We talk about it more than we do it, both individually and collectively, And perhaps we would all do well to ask the question that the disciples ask of Jesus. We read it just a few minutes ago. They 
inquired of him. They asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. I think that's a good and healthy prayer for all of us. Amen? And you know, even if you are comfortable in prayer, even if you have been praying for a long time, even if you spend much time with the Lord in prayer, we all have the need to grow and understand our God more. Amen? This morning we begin a five-part series on the Lord's Prayer. Or maybe better titled, that, that prayer described would be the model prayer, some have called it, or even the disciples' prayer. Because in the prayer, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Jesus gives us the prayer. That's why it's been called the Lord's Prayer. The Lord gave us this prayer. But in in reality, he says, when you pray, pray this way. So, So here's the model for prayer. Here's the pattern for prayer. Here's how you as my disciples should pray. So maybe a better way to think of the Lord's Prayer is the model prayer, the disciples' prayer. For here, Jesus is very simply teaching us and answering that simple question of how to pray. The series title is How to Pray. Today is part one of that, and I want us to pick up in Luke 11, verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say. And then in just a second, we're going to read... Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, but in what follows, Jesus gives five petitions that are to be the core, the skeleton, if you will, of all of our praying. Again, teach us to pray, Lord. He said, okay, pray this way. When you pray, say these things. Now, does that mean that we have to quote the Lord's Prayer every time we pray, that the only way that we can pray is using the words of the Lord's Prayer? That's it. That's a question. No, of course not. But it is a great pattern. It is a pattern of prayer. It shows us how all of our prayers should be shaped. Uh, You'll notice a difference between this, uh, what we're fixing to read, and what we saw back in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel actually has an an additional petition there. Um, And and so if you were to compare the two, you'd see a little bit of difference. What's the explanation for that? Well, not 100% sure. It, It seems that Matthew's account came earlier in Jesus' ministry. Uh, Luke's account seems to be later on in his ministry. These don't seem to be parallel passages in the sense that ha- they happened at the same time. But think, think with me just kind of on the most simple of levels. If Jesus gave this as a pattern for prayer, right, what do you do with the pattern? Well, the idea of the pattern is that you repeat it, right? He gave it to his disciples so that they would pray in that way. And so as he continues around in his ministry, it would not be unheard of or un- unthinkable. or, uh, and In fact, very likely that he would repeat this teaching on more than one occasion. So maybe that's what's going on here. Pick it up in verse 2. When you pray, Jesus said, say, Father, petition number one, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, petition number two. Now notice, before we read the next three petitions, notice the prepositions as we read them. They're all in the plural. And so verses three and four that include petitions three, four, and five, these are patterns for corporate prayer that Jesus gives us. 
Of course, we can individually pray these things, but it is important to realize Jesus gave this as a pattern for the gathered body of Christ's followers to pray together. When the preacher emphasizes prayer service, that's not just something that the preacher is big on. It's something that Jesus is big on because even the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, the disciples' prayer is, is worded in terms of us together, the plural, verse 3 and the third petition, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, petition 4 and finally petition 5, and lead us not into temptation. Now, you'll be glad to know this morning we're only going to look at petition number one. Uh, We'll be considering the others in in the weeks ahead. But we're just going to consider the first petition today. And this first petition is the main petition. The first petition Jesus gives us to, to, to pray is the overarching and ultimate request of the entire prayer pattern that he gives to us. Jesus teaches us that we are to pray above and before all other prayers for the ultimate end of all things. Father, hallowed be your name. Here's the truth I want you to take home as we think about the ultimate end of all things. All of our prayers are to be shaped by the ultimate end of all things. That is the glory of our Father. What is our prayer life to be about above all things? Well, it's not to be about us getting what we want ultimately. That's not why God gave us the gift of prayer first and foremost. Above all things, our prayer lives are to be about the glory of our Father. Father, hallowed be your name. Verse 2 is where we find it. And when, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Starting point. Foundational to everything else that he will have us pray and, and ways, requests that he would have us make of God. All of our prayers then are to be shaped by the ultimate end of all things, namely the glory of our Father. We are to pray for the one ultimate end of God in all of history. What's God aiming at with this, with this whole created world? We're to pray for the one ultimate end that God has in all of history and eternity. That is His own glory. Notice with me, first of all, who we pray to. This is is a really simple message. Who we pray to and what we ultimately pray for. Y'all can remember that, can't you? Who we pray to. He starts the prayer. When you pray, say, Father. Now you're like, okay, great. How much time can we possibly spend talking about that? Well, it's going to be more than you think because Jesus tells us to pray, Father. There's a reason He feels the need to instruct us to pray, Father, because sometimes we don't relate to God naturally that way, right? The word used for Father here is is derived, the Greek word is derived from the Aramaic word called that you've heard before, Abba. The word really and literally means 
Daddy, Papa. Over in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 6, verse 9, which we read earlier, uh, the way Jesus starts this, his prayer there is, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Uh, same address here, Father. More fully from Matthew, our Father in heaven. When we pray, we're talking to our Father, our Abba, our Daddy, who is in heaven. So it means a couple things, right? We have this intimate relationship with Him, but He is in heaven. He is God, and He reigns over all things. And the God who sovereignly reigns over all things, listen, you can call, if you know Jesus, you can call out to Him, Father. Now, that ought to shake you up a little bit. That ought to rattle your cage. That ought to blow your mind that we can call the one who rules over all things Father. And in fact, Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father. Father. You know, the, the old, and this is just, this is just an aside. Don't, don't take this too far. But, you know, the Old Testament is full of the revelation of who God is. And as you work your way through the Old Testament, you find all of these different names by which God went to reveal his character, right? Um, Yahweh, I am that I am. It talked about his self-existence, the fact that he was uncreated and, and before all things, above all things. Um, And I won't go through all of them, but the Lord our righteousness, uh, the Lord our healer, um, the Lord, meaning the the ruler, the master of all things, and and on and on it goes. And so when Jesus comes to this point, there are a myriad of names throughout Scripture that he had to choose from when he tells us how to begin our prayer and address God, and he says, you say, Father. Now, does that mean that it's wrong if on occasion I'm praying about a particular thing and I'm, I'm, I'm praying for someone who's, who's really struggling emotionally? Is it wrong for me to address God as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals? No, it's not wrong to do that. Okay, so you can call God by the other names in Scripture. But, but what's Jesus' point up to this point? Before Jesus and His saving work on our behalf, Father was not a common address for Yahweh. There was this distance, there was this disconnect. And and, and Jesus said, I want you to talk to the one who reigns over all things in the intimacy of your relationship as sons and daughters, our Father in heaven. Now we need to be clear, this is a prayer for believers. This is a prayer for those who know God through faith, In Jesus Christ. That is, God is not universally, contra much modern theology, God is not universally the God, the Father of all humanity. Now there's a sense in which He is, in that He's the creator of all humanity, but He is not the Father, spiritually speaking, of everyone just because you're human. Being human doesn't give you the right to call God Father, Abba. In fact, being human, according to Scripture, actually means that you're born and continue to live until you trust Jesus as the enemy of God, and really the only way you could relate to God before you trust Jesus is as your judge. Because, Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
And because of that sin, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. God, the judge, pronounces the wages of sin. He says, here's what you earn for your sin, death. And as Ephesians 2, 1 and 3 says, we were all dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked, verse 3, and were by nature children of wrath. We were born under the wrath of God, justly deserving the wrath of God. Why? Because of Adam's sin and because of our consequent sin, as soon as we could basically be selfish. You mean, you don't have to teach babies, toddlers, to, 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 to steal toys, do you? to get mad at another toddler. They can't even talk, but they can get mad. Why? Because there's a selfish nature inside. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 tells us the wonderful good news, though. The very next verse, after we're told that we were by nature children of wrath, dead in trespasses and sins, verse 4 says, But God, listen to this, this is so amazing, But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. If you've trusted Jesus, then what happened is uh, 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 you were a dead man, you were a dead woman in sin, and God came and resurrected you through the preaching of the gospel, through your hearing of the gospel, for, through, through you believing that you were a sinner in need of a Savior and that Jesus paid it all. In that moment, a resurrection happened. And suddenly, you went from being a, children, a child of wrath, justly under the wrath of God, to a child of the King. To a child of righteousness, indwelt by even Jesus himself, by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, verse 8, puts it this way. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, right on time, according to His plan, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that, listen to this, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, listen to this, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You and I are heirs of God. We are sons and daughters. Our inheritance will be all of the riches of God Himself in heaven forever, for eternity. And so my question this morning is, before we get much further, because this is a prayer for believers, my question for you is, have you trusted Jesus? Have you trusted that Jesus paid it all for your sins on the cross? Have you believed that He rose from the dead in victory to be your Savior? Have you been adopted into God's family as a son or a daughter through faith in Jesus? Do you have the Spirit of Jesus living in you, crying out to God, Abba, Father? He gives us voice in prayer. Isn't that amazing? God indwells us by His Spirit, and He gives us our voice in prayer back to Him. The Spirit aids us to cry out, Abba, Father. If not, won't you cry out to Him right now? He wants you to be able to call Him Father. 
So much so that he gave his son to come live a perfect life in your place, go to the cross, and die the death you deserve for all of your many sins, just like I did, and on the third day rise again to give victory and prove that the price was paid in full and accepted by God forever. You can know what it is today to, 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 to be like Paul who said, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. You can know what it is to have the power of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the voice of the Spirit speak out of your heart, Abba, Father. And you, you can know what it is to have God call you son or daughter. His heart is full of redeeming, cleansing, and adopting love towards you. That's what it means for him to be our Father. Will you embrace his love and his adoption in Christ? Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, those of you who know him, it is good for us to regularly slow down and remember who we pray to. That we pray to our Father. That we pray to our Abba, our Papa, our our, our, our intimate and close and, 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 and just sweet Father who loves us so tenderly. Again, Romans 8 verse 15 talks about adoption. When, when Paul there says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Listen to this. Don't let this ever get old, that we are children of God. 1 John 3, verse 1 puts it this way. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And then John says, and so we One translation says, behold, check it out. Look, what manner of love is it that we who were sinners and, in, and, 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 and without hope before a holy God, that we could be made children of God. Only God could do that and God did through his son. And then John says, and such and so we are. We're, we're his kids. You know, many times parents that adopt children that may be a little older, when they, when they get those children, they're, they're a little bit older. They, they're, you know, whatever, uh, six, seven, eight, nine years old, something somewhere in there. Those adoptive and parents at that point encounter manipulative and distrustful behavior from those older children because the child doesn't know if they can trust the parent. Right? Because they've already had time to be lied to or mistreated by another adult somewhere along the way before they got to this loving home. One mother, adoptive mother, put it this way At first, I got frustrated with my adopted son. Then I realized what was happening and it broke my heart. He's part of a loving family now. But at times, listen, Listen to this. But at times, he still acts like an orphan. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't have to ever act like an orphan. We are dearly loved sons and daughters of the one true and living God so that we can cry out to him in prayer. 
Father. And know that we know that we know that He hears us. And that we are loved by Him. Even though we're fully known by Him, we are fully loved by Him. And when we say, Father, we have the ear of God. He's listening. That's who we pray to. Secondly, and and really the main point of this first petition, what we ultimately pray for. I'm underlining that for you. What we ultimately pray for. We're going to be in in this for four more weeks, and we're going to see four other petitions. We're going to see other things that we are to pray for, right? Are you with me? A petition is something you're praying for. But we won't see any other petitions like this one, because this is what we ultimately pray for. What we pray for above all things. Sort of the umbrella that goes over the other four petitions that will break down in the weeks ahead. And it's found in the, in the request, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. R.C. Sproul said, very few people today would list the hallowing of the name of God as a top priority for the supplications of the people of God. And yet Jesus said, it is the top, the overarching priority for our prayer lives, the hallowing of the name of God. You know, sadly, it's rather the norm for us to ask God for, uh, to change our circumstances. First thing, how much of our prayers are not focused on the hallowing of God's name, which we'll explain in a minute, but rather are, God, do this for me. God, would you please do this? God, can you give me this? God, can you change this, right? And so we don't ask for a change in our hearts and our attitude toward Him, but we ask Him to change something about our circumstances. Hallowed be your name is the first request Jesus said. It's the overarching request. It's the ultimate thing for which we pray. Now, what in the world does it mean? (laughs) Hallowed be thy name. I mean, let me just ask you, other than repeating this in church sometime, when's the last time you used the word hallowed? (laughs) I mean, now, now, I just thought of something. There's probably... uh, there's probably an alma mater somewhere, those songs you know you sing, or at some graduation, you may talk about hallowed halls of some institution of higher learning. But other than that, I mean, we just don't talk this way. I heard about a guy who was raised in the Catholic Church and grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer. For years as a child, he was convinced that God's name was Howard because he prayed out loud in church all his life, Howard be thy name. That was a joke, and most of you missed it. Um, just trying to show you that we don't really use the word hallowed a lot. So what does it mean? The word is most often translated sanctify. If you were to find this same Greek word throughout the Greek New Testament, most often it would be, tr- it would be translated sanctify. So let's, let's think about it. So what's he, what's, he, what's he praying? What's he telling us to pray? Father, sanctified be your name. Father, may your name be sanctified, may your name be made holy, but but there's something not quite right there, right? Because God's name doesn't need to be made holy. He is holy. His name is holy, holy, holy. 
So the sense of this prayer must be something a little different than that. Jesus is teaching us here to pray, Father, may your name be reverenced. May your name be honored and adored as holy and as beautiful above all things in my life and in the life of our church and in view of a watching world. That's really what this prayer is all about. That's what it means to hallow His name. We're asking God to make His name to be honored and reverenced and glorified first in our lives, then in our life together as the body of Christ, but all of that before a watching world that they may see the glory and the beauty of His name. So, so maybe think of it this way. This is, this is maybe what Jesus is, is, is helping us learn to pray like. Father, make your only true and living Godness. There's only one of Him. He's unique. There's no other God like Him. And He has a, a character about Him. There's, there, there, there's, there's this essence of who he is that makes him God. And so we're praying, God, make your godness to shine. Make your holiness, your righteousness, your grace, your mercy, your love, make your name, all that you are, to be reverenced in my heart and in every heart. You see, this prayer is for life-shaping heart change. It's the only one of the petitions that we'll be looking at that Jesus gives us here that is, is, a, is a prayer for something to happen in my heart. Thy kingdom come. Now, in order for that to happen, I, I have to change and get, on, get, get synced up with that, yes. But that request, the, 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 the coming of the kingdom, doesn't, doesn't require my heart change. Hallowing the name of the Father, that requires something going on in my heart. And so on and so forth with the other requests. One commentator says, This is a prayer that God shall be God, that man shall not whittle God down to a manageable size and shape. By the way, we are all, our hearts are all notorious for whittling God down to something we can contain and hold and, and, and manipulate and play with. And, and, and yet, that's not God. And this is a prayer for God to be God. That there would be no whittling down at all of His true nature. That, that all that He is, in His mercy and His grace, most especially in Jesus, would be seen and would shine in our hearts and, and through our lives to a watching world. All of our prayers, do you see it now? All of our prayers are to be shaped by the ultimate end of all things, the glory of our Father. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way, our Father, hallowed be your name. Jonathan Edwards, the great, just amazing um, preacher of the 1700s, <clears throat> they used a lot of words back then. Listen to the title of this one thing he wrote. He wrote a dissertation. It's called Dissertation Concerning the End for Which God Created the World. That's just the title. And so if you want some light reading, then find that. And uh, 55 pages later, you'll finish and you'll understand 
with all sorts of um, detail this truth that God created the world for His own glory and for our happiness as our happiness is found in the pursuit of and display of His glory. So the end for which God created the world, the ultimate end of all things, is the glory of our Father. Do you remember when Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? Remember what he said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37? He answered that question and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. By the way, it's not a coincidence that the great commandment and the ultimate primary request that Jesus teaches us to pray, petition that he teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, have some relationship. It's not a coincidence that the primary ultimate petition Jesus wants us to shape all of our praying with is for the practical outworking, if you will, of the great commandment. What does it mean when we say, Father, hallowed be your name? Well, in part it means, Father, in my life, help me to, to obey the great commandment. Help me to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's what it means. With all the practical ramifications that flow from that. Hallowed be your name is a request to our Father to enable us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And conversely, think about it on the flip side. The details of the great commandment explain to us what it looks like to hallow His great name in our lives. It means we love Him with all that we are. And so all of our prayers are to be shaped by the ultimate end of all things. Even the glory of God, our Father. You know, Jesus not only taught us to pray this way, taught you and I to pray this way, His disciples to pray this way in our praying, but, but He Himself prayed like this. And to this ultimate end of the glory of the Father in His own life. He modeled for us what He gave us a pattern for in prayer. In John 12, 27 and 28, He says, He's, he, he's, he's talking to His disciples. He says, now, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? He, he's coming up to the time of His death, just a couple days before He would be hanging on the cross. His soul was troubled. He realized what was ahead of Him. And he says, so what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? There's a rhetorical and unwritten no there. And then he says, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. That's the purpose. Why have I come to the hour that I will go to the cross? Why am I here and going to have to go through Roman crucifixion with all of its torturous pain and slow agonizing death? Why? The purpose for which I've come is, Father, that you would glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. You know what the Father was saying? Son, you've already glorified my name, and when you go to the cross... And die there and are raised in three days, you will again glorify my name. You're right on track with what, I, what I'm all about in this world, glorifying my name 
through your obedience, through your love, through your sacrifice. Jesus prayed this just a couple of days before his crucifixion. Jesus prayed this prayer about his crucifixion. And so the ultimate goal of Jesus coming to die on the cross was what? The glory of the Father. Now, you may be thinking, I thought Jesus came to die on the cross to save sinners. Well, that would be absolutely true, amen? He did. But the ultimate goal in Jesus coming to die on the cross to save sinners is for the glory of the Father who sent him to die on the cross to save sinners, amen? To show the beauty of the heart of the God who designed the whole plan of salvation through the death of Jesus Christ. God's ultimate goal in saving sinners is His own glory. And let me just quickly run through some scriptures that talk about this so you see it in God's Word. Ephesians 1, 3-6 and 11-14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's praising and worshiping Jesus here, God and God the Father, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, you're going to see adoption here. It's, it's all over the place in the New Testament. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Listen. All of this according to the purpose of His will. What is that purpose? To the praise of His glorious grace. Why did He do all that He just described in those verses? His purpose in salvation was the praise of His glorious grace. When we come to Jesus as our Savior, what should be the end? How do we know if we've really understood the whole deal and the whole exchange? How do we know if we, if we have become sons and daughters of God? You know how you'll know? You will praise the glory of the grace of God who sent Jesus to die in your place and rise again on the third day. You'll praise him. You won't be like, you know what? I, I became a better person today because I trusted Jesus. You know, I, I decided I was going to turn over a new leaf. I've I, I, I decided I'm going to change how I live. Wayne, I'm, 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 I'm going to go a different direction now. And y'all just watch, because I'm going to show you that I'm going to be a better person now. I'm going to do things different now. That's not salvation, is it? Salvation is, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm hell-bound and under the divine wrath of Almighty God unless He rescues me. And I heard there's a Savior and His name is Jesus. And all I know is my only hope is in Him. And I cry out to Him. And, and I believe God when He says, if I call on the name of the Lord, I will be saved. And here's, here's the bottom line. Here's all I got to say to y'all. Y'all look to Him and praise Him because He did it all. The Father gets the glory when I take hold of His Son. Verse 11, in Him... Ephesians 1, 11. In Him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ... What's, what, what's, what's our purpose? What's, what's God doing in our salvation? So that we who were the first, first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. That's talking about when we get our inheritance in heaven. Where's it all going? To the praise of His glory. 
What is your salvation and mine all about? Hallowed be your name, Father. That's what it's about. That's why that has to be the overarching theme of all of our praying. You know, back in, back in, there's too many backs in this statement I'm about to make. Back in Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 14. There, God says of himself, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God said, there's a lot going on in this world. I'm doing a lot of things in this world, but here's what's happening in everything I'm doing in this world. My glory will one day cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's where it's all going. All of it. Our salvation, absolutely. That's the pinnacle of, of how God displays the Lord. But everything that he is doing in history, every, every moment will ultimately serve the glory of God. Further, our lives as witnesses of Jesus will only flourish if we remain firmly fixed on this foundation of hallowing his name. Why do we, as we live and follow him day by day, what, what are our lives as Christians all about? They're about hallowing the name of Jesus. If our purpose for living devolves from this ultimate, one ultimate end of glorifying God, if we live as if life is all about us, if, if, if we slide back into that worldly way of living, that, that, that selfish way of living as believers, then rest assured our witness will go right out the window. Our effectiveness to show other people who Jesus is will disappear because the world won't see any difference in us because we'll be living for ourselves just like everyone else is. However, if we keep the ultimate end of the fame of God's great name as the main point of our lives, then we will be emboldened in our witness for Him. 1 Peter 3 puts it this way, Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, those who persecute you, nor be troubled. Listen, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. This is one of those places, the same word that we see translated hallowed is translated honor, sanctify as holy, the name of Christ. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Hallowed be your name. As you're living your life, even in per the face of persecution, hallow the name of God above all, so that always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So even if you're being persecuted, Peter says, if you will keep hallowing the name of God, if you'll keep honoring the name of Jesus as Lord and as the Holy One, the supreme ruler of all the, uh, that you are in all your life, then you'll be ready even in the middle of suffering to give a reason for the hope that's in you. And the, hope, the reason for the hope that's in you is what? Jesus and Jesus alone. All our prayers are to be shaped by the ultimate end of all things, the glory of our Father. The rest of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer serve this ultimate end and goal of all things. Father, hallowed be your name. How does that look in life? How does that play out? Well, in order for the, the Father's name to be hallowed in our lives and in this world, then the next thing we need to ask Him is, your kingdom come. And then... 
Father, give us each day our daily bread. And then, Father, forgive us our sins, even as we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And finally, Father, lead us not into temptation. If God's name will be hallowed in our lives, then all those other things will be practically part of the outworking of the hallowing of His name. And we're going to look at each of those in the weeks ahead. All of our prayers are to be shaped by the ultimate end of all things, that is, the glory of our Father. And so, before you ask God for anything, remember this. And then make all of your requests serve this one goal, the glory of your Father. So before we say, God, give me, God, do, we should say, is what I'm about to ask the Father glorify His name? You know, what I'm getting at is, many, many times, that's true. Yes, what we're asking for, we glorify God. But then sometimes we're like the James 4, we ask amiss, right? We ask God for stuff to spend it on our own pleasures, the text in James 4 says. So if we start here, then we will get rid of some useless prayers. You follow me? We'll help save ourselves from wasting time asking for things that God is not going to give us because it doesn't honor His name, right? We know those prayers are off track because we're asking for those things for us. We're, we're, we're treating God like a genie in the bottle, not the God of all things. Now, there's things I can ask for myself that accord with the will of God, but start your prayers remembering this phrase, Father, Father, thank you that you're my Father. My desire above all things is that your name would be honored in my life and in this world. Let's pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. Change our hearts. By your Spirit, help us to live with you at the center of our lives. Help us get over ourselves and living as if we are the center of the universe. And may we realize that what matters above all things, the point of all things, the reason for which you created the world and sent your Son and saved us, Father, is your own glory, and you are infinitely worthy. Today and the days ahead, as we walk through these words of Jesus, sink our hearts up to yours, Father, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll close out our time of worship singing together. Yeah.
the hope of the gospel that we can come to God as we are. There trust Jesus 
and all that he's done on our behalf so that through faith in him and through his redeeming work, we can call God Father and then pray, hallowed be your name. Amen and amen. Well, we're dismissed. Thank you for being with us today. Trust you have a good week, and we'll see you again this time next Sunday morning. If you join us by live stream, look forward to seeing you then as well.